Hey everybody, it's Sanifa Walida. And it is Red Summer. You know who we is. We are your gay auntie. Hey baby. <laughs> hey right. everyone. Your gay aunties are here with you for another Sunday brunch. Mm-hmm. We are so excited. Exactly. And we just want to let everyone know that your gay aunties is a weekly podcast that is it's centered around queer adulting. And so if you want Auntie Red and Auntie Hanifa to answer your questions about life and love and any other things that you experience in your good gay life, (laughs) (laughs) you can just tap your aunties on the shoulder by sending us an email at yourgayaunties at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram or Twitter at yourgayaunties because we're on both now. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love what's coming up in the world, you know. Right. And, you know. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's been an incredible um, so far. I just want to give a shout out again to uh, Schizo from last week. Uh, she she totally was like this. Uh, Schizo, you know, she's an artist we uh, highlighted last week um, on our music segment, which we still don't have a name for. We hope, children, that you will help us name our segments because we bad at that. <laughs> mm, so, yeah, I said I even tried to just pluck something out the air. It didn't work. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. the names of what we can call that because it's it's a good time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we're excited about Sunday brunch. And just one other thing before we jump into Sunday brunch, we are going to uh, what we're exploring is we're going to be having um, some more tiers. So those of you who want access access to Sunday brunch, we're going to make it even more enticing for you. We hope so. That'll be coming down the pipe, but we don't have it right now. So, but you know, that's a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> we're always planning to make everything right. better for you. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But we do actually have a new Patreon uh, supporter in the Sunday Bronx, Sydney. Thank you, Sydney, for your love and support. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's what keeps us going, you know. You know, and so, so we, what do they get with their Sunday brunch patronage? They get what they looking at. Well, what well, some of y'all be looking at right now is the is <laughs> every fourth Sunday we have a wonderful guest who we'll be introducing pretty soon. Um, we'll have uh, her or him on the show, or they on the show, and you get to see the actual video because you know you guys can hear us, and that's fine, and that's wonderful. We all love our podcast, but sometimes it's good to get see what you're listening to um and you'll also receive it the day we actually record it so it's just in time for after brunch for after brunch conversation mimosas you know when we record it's a little too early for mimosas that's why we don't have one in hand but is it too early though is it ever (laughs) 8 (laughs) a.m But for maybe for the rest of y'all, you know, more responsible drinkers, um, mm. uh, you can have the uh, the Sunday brunch uh, at appropriate times with your <laughs> and, and talk, you know, with your friends about what we're talking about. And mm-hmm. so we're really excited about today. Yes. Well, today we have um, one of my dear friends, Dr. Linnell Plummer. She is like, and I want to try to like, introduced with like everything that I know, but I know I cannot do it justice. Like I am floored every what every week that I <laughs> go on to social media and see what she is doing now. She is absolutely like a superwoman and a 
just a beautiful addition to our community. So I want to introduce you all as well so that you can be good, good friends with her too, Dr. Linnell Plummer. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I keep saying that all week. I'm like, I'm going to be on your gay auntie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. So indeed, thank you for having me. Yes, we're very excited to have you. Yeah, so a little bit about myself again, Dr. Linnell Plummer. I am the CEO and clinical director of Onyx Therapy Group. We have eight offices. We have three in Washington, D.C., four in Maryland, and we are also in Pittsburgh, thinking about expanding to Philadelphia as well. So we'll see what's up, Philly. Make sure y'all hit us up if we coming out there. What insurance do you have? Can we just say stop and pause for the pause? She we don't say come to her office. She said her office says. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Right? Isn't that amazing? We are where where our people are is where we're trying to be. So because there's not enough of us around, we're even thinking about maybe going international to Amsterdam because there's no gay counselors in Amsterdam that are listed. So we're trying to get to where our folks are. So there's a lot of us here in this DMV area. We're looking at Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, of course, and then we have some folks interested in us in Jersey just because of, of our unique specialties and working with members of our community and doing it in a very um, experiential, learned, research-based kind of way, um, as well as the personal aspect of having so many of us on the team that are also members of the LGBTQ community. So it makes it a little bit more special uh, to work with somebody who is like you also. Um I'm so going to go into that because, you know, one of the problems I've always had in finding a therapist is finding my reflection and, and understanding how important that was. And, you know, there was a time I was living in a place that wasn't too many black people. I was living in Western Mass and I really, really wanted a therapist. Right. I said, OK, I don't know if I'm going to get black and queer. That's a tall order. <laughs> so let me try my best. And, you know, I kind of got white and queer. I kind of got, I didn't get black at all. I didn't get black at all. I got of color and queer, you know, and, you know, and to be raw dog honest, you know, that ain't enough because, and I'm sure you'll go into this and we want to hear exactly how, you know, the, the reasoning behind this and how your story, but for me, it's like, if I have to, whether whether it's right or wrong, if I have to tiptoe around my words at all and talk about what the fuck is going on with me as I navigate this world, it's just not going to be a good fit. Right. Yeah. That's exactly, um, that's exactly true. There's so much evidence out there talking about client retention and therapy. And one of the elements um, that causes folks to leave therapy is that they're constantly having to educate their therapist. And that doesn't feel good. You don't want to be in the middle of a session having to explain details that a therapist should already know either because of their own experience or because of their own research, right? Like we are professionals. You don't go to your classroom teacher and expect to have to teach them, right? So. Right. We are supposed to know certain things, but that's that's some of the issues that we're having in, in some of our graduate programs. I'm a faculty member at Hopkins, and so I'm very much there advocating for what we need for future counselors and the type of educational experiences they need outside of uh, curriculum, outside of textbooks and things like that. What do they need to be successful out there in the world? 
Um, and so I'm, I'm in that that area too in academia, which I enjoy also. But I'm out here training folks, training these counselors how to be here for our people because um, the worst thing to hear is a person say that they started counseling and then they just stopped, right? Like it, the, the courage that it takes to go into counseling is a real situation. And once you finally get there and then you realize that the counselors are just not meeting your standard or meeting your level of vulnerability, then it, then people increase their hopelessness, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and as black folks in general, and it probably queer folks too, and also, you know, it's 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 the teaching thing, but it's also the lack of recognition there in their eyes. Even yeah. if they don't know what to say, and they say so, they choose to say nothing because they don't react in a certain way. Basically, if they're not the amen corner that you need, mm -hmm. but but what's so difficult? Because I know for me, it was difficult because I wasn't familiar with therapy when I first started going. And my girlfriend yeah. at the time, she's the one who really tried to coach me and tried to, you know, get me ready for it. And one of the things, if you're new to therapy, is that you can disbelieve so easily, or you cannot, or it's, it's hard for you to. It takes a minute to really understand how it works for you, and yeah. to have that extra hurdle it just sucks man yes it truly truly sucks it does it yeah. does i want to kind of touch on which a point that you made earlier dr now about linnell about getting up the courage to to start therapy mm -hmm. like I, I know that like especially in the black community so many people um are like discouraged from doing therapy because of the stigma and all that kind of stuff. But also like you're told, like either you should be able to, to pray on it and be better. Either you should be able to talk to your best friend and be just fine. Like, like there's all these other things that you can do. Go have a drink, go have sex, like go do something mm -hmm. that's going, that's going to sex take is it good. away. Sex, sex is good though. So I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and I can talk about the healing elements of sex, if, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but it is true. <laughs> Listen, I'll be here. Um, it, it is true that in our community, we have consistently been told to do other things in replacement of therapy. And the biggest one that's interesting to me is always, you know, God, God got you, right? Like, of course, God got you, but God also made these therapists, right? Like, and we're out here to help as well. So maybe we're supposed to be a part of your process too. And it's, what's interesting is that in some of my sessions, there has to be a blend. We're very big on spirituality at Onyx. And there's a blend where some of our sessions start off with prayer, prayer or end with prayer, where the clients are like, can you pray for me? Or can you pray with me? And so it's a nice blend between the religious practices and, and, and the more um, commercialized practices of therapy. So, but it, it does take a lot of courage because, um, because one has to admit that they need help. And in our particular society, asking for help is negative, right? Like we even see it, and I'm sure you guys see it in the education systems. We even see young children who are afraid of asking for help. And if they're afraid to ask for help with a question around math, they certainly don't wanna ask for help around how to solve a problem that people think that they should be able to solve on their own. The problem is that people think that all of our problems should be solved individually when that's not the case. We are communal people, especially as black and, and queer people. We are communal people. And so it, it is extremely, 
extremely helpful to have a community, especially with professionals in there, to be able to talk through some of these issues. What your best friend gives is a, is a space to talk through things. But what a counselor gives is also an, another level of insight awareness um, and technique through our educational process and our and our specific interventions, right? Like we have techniques like immediacy and reflection um, and things like that, that, that allows for confrontation and challenge in ways that best friends don't know how to do it. They may ask the question the wrong way and that causes defensiveness, or they may um, not ask a question at all because they're afraid of triggering somebody where we're not in those particular positions. And we, we hope to create the best um, place of safety so that if we do, as we do, not if, as we require vulnerability, that one leaves out and still feels whole. They don't feel like something has been taken away from them. Because as Black and, and queer people, we, we're constantly in positions where we're having to protect ourselves because people are trying to take something from us, either our identity or you know the things that we do, they're consistently pulling from us. Therapy shouldn't be a place where we experience that. You know, I'm, I'm, listening, I'm listening to all that you're um, um, saying here. And- <laughs> The, the 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 thing with the um with the friendship where sometimes people lean on friends or family um and like you said like friends you know don't always know how to react well friends friends are therapists you can lean right. on a friend but they're not a therapist right they can't help and guide you through also okay. i think it's a lot depending on what your issues are issue or issues are sometimes um, two things can happen. One, um, you lean on that friend a little bit too much and it becomes so singly focused. That's, uh, I know, you know, sometimes yeah. as a friend, you're like, Hey, you know, I got things going on too, you know, kind of can come just about you. So then the friend yeah. worn out, you know, and, and we're human beings. And if you're not trained to go the distance, if you will, <laughs> then you can, you can lose some friends this way. And yeah. then the fear of yeah. losing friends. They're like, Oh, I'm always complaining. I'm always checking in. And a lot of us, and I know this is the problem I've had. It's like, I don't want to always feel like I'm burdening my friends. And so yeah. that's also where, you know, having a therapist, you have that person that they ain't, they, they never going to feel burdened, but, what right. you know? but they ain't going to never <laughs> burden. It's their job to take it in and to help you analyze what's going on and move towards it. So you don't feel like you're burdening your friends. And, you, and then when you speak to your friends about issues, you know, one, you're more informed because you're talking with an informed person, right? You know, and it's not that kind of uh, dependent thing with friends that can happen sometimes. Yeah. And, and that brings up another interesting point with us at Onyx, um, because we are um, right now, we're all black women. And so there's another cultural element to that in that we recognize that the, the counseling session is really the catalyst for self-awareness. It The self-awareness doesn't always happen in the middle of the session. So what I ask of uh, what I require of myself and ask of my counselors is that we have access, to, our, our clients have access to us even outside of the session. So if they're in, if we're working on, say, a, a particular communication technique and um, and they're practicing it with us in the session, but they get home and they're having an argument with their girlfriend or their boyfriend and they're using the technique, this is the appropriate time to hit me up and be like, hey, doc, 
I just tried this technique. This was the success or this wasn't the success, et cetera, right? Because, but that leads to a community element of it. Because when you talk to your homegirl and and you try something that they that they um, suggest, you automatically hit them back up like, girl, I tried such and such, right? But if you have to hold for another week or two in order to say that, it loses the intensity, it loses the passion, and it loses the uh, acuteness of the situation of the environment. So I don't know how it actually worked not so at onyx in traditional therapy uh specifically with like um how we were trained by white guys what happens in your session is just what happens in your session and you don't talk to your therapist anymore until your next session but at onyx we don't do that because healing doesn't happen that way so it does require my my clients to be or excuse me my counselors to be a little bit more available i try to compensate them well because of it to be a little bit more available to their clients um, because I want their clients to be able to reach out to them as they need to. And that's especially important in the very beginning with clients who are brand new to counseling. They don't know what is going on. Um, As clients get a little bit more familiar with the process, maybe a year or two in, they don't text us or call us as frequently, but it's still it's still available for them. They don't call us frequently because they've developed a little bit more. uh, of their own awareness and and they feel like they can solve things a little bit better on their by themselves. Wow. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And what I'm hearing is that we've taken out a lot of the like clinical stillness and distance, right? <laughs> that is something that would turn a lot of black people away from the process of therapy. Like, I don't want to go and like share my life and my trauma and my experiences with somebody who's just going to sit there with a notebook and stare at me blankly. Like, I don't know how I, I receive, I need to have a, like an exchange of information. I need to have, you know, something happening in this process for it to be meaningful for me. And if it, I really appreciate that you all are doing that work. One of making, um, yourselves accessible because that's big, right? <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a big task that you're undertaking. Um, and it's a big trust mm-hmm. that you are, are developing with your clients. Um, but also that you're willing to even talk to, to them about like their spirituality and, and the mm-hmm. practices that, yeah. that make them feel safe and comfortable. Right. <laughs> so if I've always been taught to like, go to prayer and then I go to this process and prayer is like taboo, then I don't know how much I'm going to trust it. But if I can bring, mm-hmm. like Hanif was saying, like all of myself into this process, then I'm going to yeah. feel more comfortable and I'm going to trust it that much more. And and it's another thing that, that I appreciate. And I'm glad you used the scenario of a client then going home, maybe having a fight with her or his partner. Um, and you know, you can call me up in the moment so you can be present with it. You know, it reminds me a story that Red told me about her um wedding and actually another queer wedding that I went to with a sister queen that we all that me and Red know, and they both um the uh, um the, the people who officiated over these two weddings both did the same thing, who were both queer and both uh, uh black. Um, this idea of community supporting mm-hmm. the couple. You know what I mean? 
um, and how can community support the couple? Because the couple in turn is going to mm -hmm. impact the community. So it's the same thing with everyone, whether you're a couple or not in our community. So I love that, you know, this aspect of really saying, I'm bring all yeah. of yourself to the table. This is a community effort. It's very feminist, it's very black, yeah. it's very queer. It's, it's just, you know, I've never heard of this. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Floor. There's actually, there's a clinical piece of that, right? It's called parallel processing. And it's whatever you experience in therapy, you're going to now transfer that over to some of your interpersonal relationships. So if you have a good therapeutic relationship, you're going to start developing these good interpersonal relationships with people who are close to you because there's this modeling element. There's this vulnerability element, this connective element. The other higher piece of what I do is one step higher in terms of supervision. So my counselors get me the same way my clients get me. So I spend so much time with my counselors and that in turn becomes a role model and relationship for them. They offer that to their clients who in turn take that as a role model element for them. And then they take that into their relationships with others. So there's a lot um, on the work that I do so that I'm modeling through different channels um, consistently. And I've been blessed by God to, to have the endurance to be able to do that and, um, and, and to have the family and the friends who support me in that process. Like friends like Red, because sometimes people get upset because I'm not always available, but I'm, but I'm present for the folks that are in the healing process, you know? Anybody that's mad at you and you are running 17 offices in 46 cities, like... <laughs> But I'm out here yeah, doing God's work, man. I'm trying to do the work. <laughs> trying to do the work. <laughs> How do you scale that? Like she just said, you got, you know, 252 offices and, and you and you make yourself available to all of your counselors in those 991 offices. <laughs> How do you scale that? <laughs> right, right. Goodness gracious. I'm trying to get four by the end of 2020. 4,000. You know what I'm saying? Wherever there is a single black queer person, I'm trying to be in that city. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> so I don't want you to have to travel far to get your therapy. Um, so I don't, I, you know, that question is always asked, like, how do I do all of this? Right? Because I'm also a mom. I have a, I'm a 15 year old and a 12 year old. And so we're in that adolescent phase. Um, and then I have my wife who I love. Shout out to Megan. I love you, babe. Um, so I think the way that it happens is because I'm very intentional on my on my purpose and following like listening spiritually, listening to my guides and what I'm supposed to be doing that day and in that season. And if I question going back to my guides before I go back to anybody else, um, I also believe in clinical supervision for myself. So I have folks that are supporting me and also therapy for myself as well, because there's things that I experience. And if I don't work on those things, and heal those things. I don't want to project that onto my clients or into my family. So um, I do my own self-care. And then my good girlfriends and homeboys are really good in terms of accountability. Like, have you taken care of yourself? And what are you doing for yourself? And sometimes if I'm working too hard, they'll just ask for a day and they'll be like, we're all going to just get together and chill and relax. And, and make some waste beads or do something, right? That's very um, for me. So when I lose, when I get so focused on the work, then, then I have a community around me, a small community around me that'll pull me out and say, hey, we need you to um, like get regrounded and, and connect, uh, connect with us again too. So it, it's really great. It's, it's, it's when it gets more complicated and people are like, you never show up to my birthday party. And I'm like, 
okay, I'll be there next year. You know, I like admitting a client to the hospital. You know, I couldn't really leave the hospital. So, but yeah. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. I'm curious to where you're taking this. Um, because like, I remember one of the things I tried was, you know, they have that app, like Talkspace apps and everything. And one of the benefits is that you could check in with your therapist anytime, you know, via text and depending on what tier, you know, you have, you can call, right? Um, and that was something that, you know, it's still, I, I couldn't mess with. I like doing the face-to-face thing. So, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, this, this idea of community um, and access, you know, do, are you going to, I don't know, how are you going to expand the business? I want to know, like, as a businesswoman, I want to know, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> we person, you know. Yeah, we. So because I because I do ask um, my counselors to do what they were not trained in graduate school to do, which is to be far more accessible. I do. Um, I do believe in expanding the practice in terms of resources, both human resources and material resources. So actually right now, Onyx is about to pick up four more um, new counselors and we started our internship program. So we're working with three different universities across the three different areas, DC, Maryland, and uh, Pennsylvania, of which we are bringing on black, young black um, women as therapists. And so I, I have um, an expansion model where I'm looking at a few different cities and I'm looking at the people who I believe would be, who would meet the culture of Onyx and, and be able to be present for our clients. Um, but to be honest with you, it happens again because I am paying attention to what, uh, what I'm being told spiritually. It's not that I've sat back. I have yet to sit back and create a full chart of what the next five years looks like. Uh, I am being required to do that next month, right? My leadership team is like, we need, we need something on paper, sis. So, you know, you God, but whatever God said, you need to write that down. And so, um, but right now it's been, it's been really led with that. And because it's been led that way, I think that's why it's been so, um, so successful. So it requires again of me to be very present with my own spirituality, but I do want to, um, I want to get us up by the end of next year. I want us to have at least 20, um, black counselors. I would love for us to find, I have a couple of people in mind that I'm thinking of recruiting, but I, I would love for us to have some masculine presenting, um, black women in our team too, because we have a lot of lesbians, but they're not, um, masculine presenting and we have some queer folks too. So I'm, I'm looking at a couple masculine presenting, but because they know that they have a, a privilege right now, they, you know, they, the negotiation is a process. So <laughs> they know, they know what they have to offer because there's so few of them um, in the community. You know, I wasn't going to call out. I said, no, I, I went to your website. I was like, I don't see it. I see the sisters. I see the sisters. <laughs> but that's okay. She's doing the thing, you know, but I'm glad you brought it up. Yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it is interesting that you said because, you know, masculine presenting black queer, uh, you know, therapists are so, I never one. Mm-hmm. So rare. <laughs> I ain't never met one. There's, there's two in the community. There's two right here in the DMV community. And um, and I just want to bring them over to Onyx. So I'm working to see what that looks like. Yeah. It's that one little last element. You know what I mean? It's that one little that one little last thing um, that someone might be like, I would eat that up. You know, that's yeah. just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to go into Thanksgiving. Hey, children, it's Aunt Hanifa here, and I'm just here to let you know we're going to take a little bit of a holiday break. You can kind of call it a thanks-taking break. We're going to take that time to be grateful for all of y'all, you know, entering our lives in the way that you have. But also while that time is spent eating turkey and mac and cheese, y'all can write some letters to your aunties about your good gay life or your complicated gay life. You know what I'm saying? You need help in, you know, navigating them situations of love, life, career, you name it. Then that's what we are here for. And you can send those letters to your gay aunties at gmail.com or just slip it in our DMs on Instagram at your gay aunties. Also, while we're away, we're going to be dreaming up some wonderful new options for you on Patreon so you can support your gay aunties. So expect that when we come back. And until then, y'all, well, let's see, what's until then? Yeah, until December 11th, that's when it'll be. December 11th is when we return. Until then, be well, and you know who loves you. All right. We are back with Dr. Uh, Plummer, who is just blowing our minds because she is she is showing the, the world of therapy how to do this damn thing. She is calling on the ancestors, both black and queer, and say, no, this is how we're going to do it, y'all. This is what needs to be done. So one of the big things with, and this is one really big reason we want to bring you on the show and talk about this is that, you know, the time this airs is going to be the day before Thanksgiving. Perfect timing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many of us are going home or receiving relatives who are different stages of acceptance. Um, Some of us are making decisions not to go home because of the lack of acceptance. And some Mm -hmm. of us don't have a choice at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of want to maybe talk uh, uh, about those three scenarios and how, cause, you know, you know, the, you know, the holidays can be if you don't have access to your family, that can be hard. Yeah. You know, so I would like to kind of talk about those three aspects of how a, a lot of queer folks, you know, have to navigate their families or, or cut off from their families. Right. Know, how to deal with their mental health around these this time of year. Right. So just a a small little bit, right? When we as communal people first kind of came into this being, as what our research tells us, the purpose of family was actually um, for safety. It was it was the the amount of numbers that you have increases your uh, likelihood of survival, physical survival, and then subsequently emotional survival. So when we think about family, I prefer to think about family in terms of where you feel most safe, safe. If you feel most safe with your biological family, then sure, go there. But you need to be first with wherever you feel safe because that's the purpose of family. Uh, And if your family doesn't allow, they don't uh, encompass you and they don't wrap around you. uh, And there's actually theory related to that called attachment theory. And if they don't provide a secure attachment for you, then that's not where you need to be. And, And so then the question becomes, how do you explain to your family that you're not going to be with them, right? Because <laughs> because what I am telling you, Dr. Plummer is saying, don't go somewhere where you don't feel safe because as a, a Black person, as a queer person, we're always looking around to the side and seeing what's right and what's not, right? Word. So project yourself to your family, this concept of family, if they are not providing safety. Instead, start looking to where the safety is, even if that's just in one other person that you didn't anticipate you would be spending the holidays with. But um, 
aside from that, one of the issues that we see in counseling where we have these folks that are uh, dissociating from from their reality and from identity, and they are subsequently coping with that through mental health around depression and anxiety, is that people have forgotten how to be authentic with themselves. And so, again, it goes back to this place of safety. If you cannot be fully authentic, then I don't, I encourage you not to go to a place, right? If you are, um, if you are still, I hate this term closeted, but if you are still closeted with your family, then it's probably not best to go there because it's going to cause more mental health issue um, to have to endure in this closet for two, three days, then it is going to allow for healing. It, it will take us as therapists a few months to get through this one day that you've subjected yourself. And so it is far better to be authentic and, and again, it means that you may have to use courage to say, I'm not going to be able to come home this, this season. You going down to Colorado, I don't know, to be with your family for one or two days, and, then, and now you're tormented for the next three or four months and waiting until the spring to come so that you could get through some of this stuff. It, it doesn't make sense. That's also aligned with one of our seasonal disorders called seasonal affective disorders, what we also call it as SAD, which is a horrible time that the holidays intersect with the, the environmental change and it creates a seasonal affective disorder. And it is so prevalent with our clients, especially our Black queer clients, because they have to go into to this place of hiding again or this repression of identity um, coupled with the fact that there's no sun shining and it's cold outside, right? So um, in terms of tips, the first is to, to acknowledge who your family is to you. Are they safe? Or are they not safe? And then the second is thinking about your own level of authenticity can you be yourself? Can you wear what you want to wear? Hold your person's hand, um, sit next to somebody. Like, can you do that? I, it was funny because Megan and I went out to lunch with her, um, her godmother the other day uh, for the birthday. And we were sitting next to an older um, lesbian couple. They've been together since 91, y'all. It was beautiful to watch. One of the things that we took away, though, is that they said um, that they don't hold hands in public. They don't kiss in public. They don't show any affection because when they got together, that that was a huge safety issue for them. And so now that they have more freedoms, especially living in this area, um, they still don't do it because they're still not sure of what that means. And so it also had made complications for them when, when they went home to their families, because we talked about that a lot, too, where they were just a friend. Right. Like this, is my friend, Denise, you know, that's you know, that's your lover. But um, <laughs> we could go through there. Yeah. Um... No, no, I'm just, I'm, I would have, no, this is making me think about actually, it, it's, it's something that's going on in the news now. I mean, if you want to, it's pop news um, with Robin, you know, uh, Whitney's uh, lover. Um, uh, so, Crawford? Yeah, thank you. Rodney, Rob, Robin Crawford. Thank you. That was her last mm -hmm. name. But, you know, I remember them back in the days and I always, you know, we always knew, I mean, I could look at Whitney and see she gay. I mean, it's a little thing, you know, my radar would get bing, 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 you know, but nobody wants, you know, whatever. And, you know, I look at Robbie back in the days, I see pictures. I'm like, okay, whatever y'all, <laughs> whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you ain't gay. Just like you don't smoke crack. Okay, fine. But the, um... <laughs> 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 you know, we can joke around even in passing. We love <laughs> okay. But the point being, 
<laughs> heterosexual folks don't see what we see. And it was clear to us that, that she was a queer woman mm -hmm. and, you know, queer in the broad sense. Okay. So, you know, with, mm -hmm. with Robin coming out, you know, I've been, you know, trolling, not trolling, but I've been on scrolling <laughs> and <laughs> social media and some of the reactions, um, mostly from straight folks, which is understandable. Um, but I, the reactions is like, oh, why is she coming out now? Oh, you know, is she da 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 da? Why did she say all oh, this back then? I'm like, listen, we talking about the 80s, son. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We might as well be talking yeah. about the 40s. Like, yeah. for real. Like, that's a whole different night yeah. and day. So, I know I could easily imagine how they two can have an all out conversation. Yo, this ain't going down in public. You know what I mean? And Robin agreeing to it, right. not being, even though it can be hard, it's, it's a heartache. It's not a political heartache. It's not politically taxing. It's just what the fuck you had to do, <laughs> you know? And, and yeah. so, you know, I remember going off, yeah. I went off on this one person. She was like, well, I got a gay son. You can't tell me I'm this. I said, listen, yeah, and I got a white friend. That don't mean <laughs> that I that she gonna understand yeah. all that it is to be black. So I'm just letting you know, don't judge this yeah. woman. I'm glad she's coming out, and she came out sometime after Whitney's death, and and and, and mm -hmm. I think she's speaking in respect. But you guys need to know and know if you want to respect and love this person that we all love, Whitney, understand her in her totality. Know what is, what she went through as a queer woman, <laughs> you know, and the decisions she had to make yeah. for the sake of her career. You know, yeah, and I yeah. think it's it's yeah. time for yeah. I don't know. I just think it's time for people to stop doing that to each other. Like I really think like it's time for straight people to just accept that people are gay. Like I think it's time for people to just like yeah. let a lot of that go because when we understand that you are holding on to a relic and you are hurting the people in who are here right now, mm -hmm. right? You are holding on to yeah. a concept of times past and in real time, like hurting people in your community, mm -hmm. hurting people in your family, like hurting your children, like for what specifically? Yeah. Like for nothing. Right. And it's not, it's not even like gay is new, right? Like it's just that we are standing here like we are here and you are not going to pretend like we are not. But yeah, there, we've been, our folks have been hiding for years, right? And I'm so excited when folks are not hiding. I have a client right now who is so, so cute. She's ready to come out uh, to her family, right? And so that's why she came to counseling. And she was like, listen, I, um, I Googled you. It's always funny when people are like, I Googled you. I'm like, what'd you find? But <laughs> but she was like, I Googled you and I know that this is the work you're doing and I'm ready to tell my family that I'm gay. And I was like, all right, like, let's do it. And she's been with me for about six months. She has, She's not quite ready yet because she has to be ready for the, the consequences. Um, and so it's not even the communication and the articulation of, of coming and saying to a parent, like, I'm gay. It's more... Do I have enough coping skills? Do I have have I dealt with enough of my uh, past trauma so that when I get if I get this blow, I can be able to handle it, right? And so that's what we're doing a lot of work on to to help her put on this armor in the event that she needs it, or have the armor close by in the event that she needs to grab it for once she uh, lets her family know. Especially because black families, although we always say you know what stays in it, what happens in this house stays in this house, which is never good for mental health. But although we 
say that um, as soon as something juicy comes out, like, you know, so, you know, Nell is gay, the whole family gonna know by the end of the night, right? So it's not even, so that particular client and all my clients who go through this process are getting themselves prepared for the family reaction, not just the one parent reaction. So um, we get to work on that. And Thanksgiving is a time and the holidays is a time where that gets confronted because if you let your family know in May, but you haven't seen them since May, this is now the first time you're about to see them again. And they trying to see if you done changed your appearance. You know, she look a little different because she gay now, you know, something, something different. Ain't nothing different. I'm still the same girl. I just want to say that um, my mother did not afford me that luxury. I had to go to everybody individually and come out because she was not like, ooh, girl, let me tell you what y'all did. Like, she didn't do any of that for me. I was so mad. <laughs> I was fully expecting the whole family to know by the end of the weekend. And nobody called. Nobody knew. I was so upset. So you know what I did? I don't. I went on Facebook, y'all. And here go my dad. I can't believe you went on Facebook. Everybody calling me. <laughs> Listen, what, what'd you say, though, dad? What'd you say? Because this is... Switch out your spot. But yeah, I went on Facebook. I had cousins and stuff being like, what, girl? And then other cousins like, I knew it. You know, one thing I wanted to speak on, I, I, I think I mentioned it some show, but I want, I'm want i glad that you spoke on it as far as your, your client who's preparing to come out and that you're preparing her to have the right kind of armor to take the blows. One of the things that I realized in coming out to was probably, you know, the parent that I knew I would have the most pushback from is my father right um but but by the time i came out to him i came out to my mom first and it was all willy-nilly but when i came out with my father one thing i realized that really empowered me is i had time away from him for a while like four years we weren't speaking right and in that four years i really came out I became, you know, I, I was able to really sit in myself. I was totally, I was growing in my skin. You know what I'm saying? When you feel like you're in your skin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I realized as I was coming out to him, because, you know, one, yes, it gave me the strength. I was still scared. I was still a little girl, still a little girl in me. They're like, oh, fuck. But, <laughs> but, but I, it did make me stronger and it, give, it did give me armor. But what it also did is that when I opened my mouth and said, daddy, I'm gay, what he saw in front of him is what I created not a reaction to him and not it wasn't full of fear it wasn't weak it wasn't timid it's what i created you know so his representation the representation of gay or queer from here on is going to be me so i had to i had to represent that now mind you that ain't helping me and he's still you know unfortunately passed homophobic as hell love you daddy <laughs> but but again it wasn't really so much for him I knew that I had to be a representation of my yeah. understanding, not just that I am queer, but my kind of queer. I had to be settled in that before I came out to the, the parent I knew would be the biggest pushback. And so that I think that's another thing that a therapist can help you, or your life in general can help you, but a therapist in particular can help you hone in. It's like, okay, and when you come out, who is coming out? Who exactly is coming out? Is a you know, what Hanif is coming out? What version of Hanif is coming out? That's another good point because one thing that families do is just dismiss it. Like you've spent all this time working up the courage to go come out and they'd be like, girl, that's just a phase. Girl, how do you even know? Girl, like all of those really like dismissive questions or, you know, whatever to kind of like take your air away. You know what I'm saying? That how 
do you how do you even know question is so interesting to me right like it's actually one of the questions that we practice in therapy in terms of a family saying oh so you're lesbian how do you even know you haven't even been with guys right okay cool so then what i tell my clients the pushback needs to be well how do you know you straight you ain't never been with a gay person right like how do you know so if your dad is like you ain't never been with a guy how you, well then you say to your dad but you ain't never been with a man so how you know you really straight like you you ain't tried the gay pot you know what i'm saying try the gay pot first you know see but but we don't say that right because we don't get to have that we don't always come out with confidence like you're saying hanifa you have to get to a place of confidence to go in front of your dad and say like this is what it is and for you it took four years and for some clients it takes far far longer than that right or even shorter depending on what the circumstances are which is why therapy is good and therapy with queer folks is good because we know those processes we've experienced those elements as well um so yeah but that how do you know question is a question we actually ask our clients and get them to think about what kind of responses they want to be able to give to their family when the family says you don't even know you know you don't even know okay you don't know either i really appreciate that too because like i think about when i first met hanifa's mom right i was so enamored with their relationship and i was like mm -hmm. i was really in a time where my mom and i were not speaking right and so like being in that space and seeing her around all hanifa's queer friends and just loving everybody and yeah. like it was so good for me that um I was like, okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna have to go home. We're gonna have to like fix this thing. Like, we're gonna have to make this happen. And now I see people like when they're around my mom, they're like, oh my god, like your mom is amazing. Like, I just really need. But it is a process. Like, I think if you don't, if you don't go into that assertiveness, right? If you don't go into that like authentic space and really bring yourself to the table, you don't allow your parents an opportunity to to go through their process, which you have had so much time before they did to go through, right? <laughs> Don't allow them to go through their process and to get to know who you are now, right? That's what they're holding on to, who they knew you were then, right? <laughs> and so now that, that they have been reintroduced to you, they get, you know, they're going to have their processes. They're going to go through their things, but then you all get to develop a new relationship in that authentic space. And so people who know my mom and I now like would not believe that like we didn't speak to each other for a year. <laughs> and you know, it's very similar to like, I, I know there are trans folks that told me, you know, in their transition and coming out, what they do is they give their family room to see me, like T said it in the movie, and you people, you know, you're going from, you know, having an auntie to an uncle, from a sister to a brother, and that 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 you have to honor that your family has to go through that transition as well. And it's the same, and really any kind of shade of queer, these are people who have raised you, now mind you, they have raised you, so they may be in somewhat denial, because they, they seem to gay ass growing up. Before you mm -hmm. saw your gay ass growing up, they just didn't want to, you know. But all that being said, <laughs> my family know because I used to play in the closet with my little friends, right? All the way, we always used to play Barbies in the closet. Child, please, we was not playing no Barbies. We were the Barbies. You hear me? Talk about what y'all doing in that closet, girl. Mind your business. <laughs> I'm in here. 
<laughs> exactly. And, and and little gay girls right. like me or queer boys who are very feminine or gay girls who are very masculine. Your mama see that shit. I remember I said, I remember when me and my mom, you know, once I came out and everything, I said, you know, Ma, did you have a sense? She's like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, and she pointed to a specific time too, right? Um, and I was a teen. No, I was a teenager. I was, I was, I was. I think I graduated high school already. But she said that she was at the airport. This is time. I'm sure she saw signs beforehand. But we was at the airport. It's like one of my first times traveling overseas. And she said it was the way you were sitting. And I, and actually, we have a pic. I have a picture to this day of that. I remember because I was in the airport, I was like just tired, and I just had my shit wide open. I was like, "What nigga?" Like, I like, you know. <laughs> and she's like, mm. <laughs> "What? What a lady." But a lady sits like that, even when she's tired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're blessed with parents who, like my mother, though they are not familiar with the queer life, they, at, at the end of the day, you my baby, fuck the bullshit, I'm going to have to just make it happen and figure shit out, then that is a blessing that all you got to deal with is, is essentially giving your parents the room to educate themselves and, of course, you educating them and having them around you in some of your good, wonderful gay life is a good way to do that. Even if they're awkward in the beginning, um, if you know at the end of the day, they're people who are open or, you know, maybe your mom or your dad, they're socialites, no matter what, they're going to show up at the party or whatever the party is and they just try and even they're going to look crazy. But like, that's my mom, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, you know what I'm saying? Then that is a blessing, you know? But if you have parents who like say, or like my father, what like my father was, who was, you know, very religious, um, very homophobic, um, to a very, to an extreme um, extent, you know, um, I think, but at the end of the day, he, you know, when I came out to him, the first thing out of his mouth was, I love you. It's just the rest was BS. So, you know, but I just want to just put a disclaimer in there, you know, in, in what, what Dr. Plumber was saying around safety, you know, um, there's different levels of safety. And then there's some safety that it's just not safe, like physically safe, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so you want to be mindful of that. And the therapist can help you with resources to like, okay, you know, what, yeah. what is the value of coming out? And if, you know, the, you know, how do you come out? If you want to meet, if you want to get yeah. that value, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause sometimes some families are honestly mm. dangerous to their children. You know, we've heard the horror stories, you know? Um, and how would someone, who may be listening, who we're all good and well, I can be insertive, I can represent myself, but it would be dangerous. Mm. Yeah. Physically, or at the very least, I would just lose my home. You know what I mean? I'm out in these streets, you know what I'm saying? To come out to my family, how can they, I don't want to ask you, how can they come out? Because there, there's well, how other do they navigate factors? It's not just mental health. Yeah, how do they navigate moving towards find at least finding things, some sort of answers to some sort of resources or something? You know, people who have really extreme situations. Yeah, I think with those really extreme situations, they need to go back to this idea of safety first, right? And so how how are they creating safety? And and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things that I kind of skipped over when I talked about authenticity is I don't want anybody to be authentic and then they find themselves in harm's way, right? Which is why I said it may mean that we have to work on communicating that we're not going to be around for the holidays or we're going to have to communicate our plan so that we are decreasing the amount of time that we're even in in harm's way, right? But so if 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 it is an option to not go home, then then that's the option that you first probably need to take. But if you have to go home for whatever reasons, 
then at that point you're going to have to put on put on your armor and you may have to decide if you if it's even willing to come out if you even willing to come out at that particular time because maybe you need a little bit more time to to prepare for that but in terms of physical safety it's the same as all elements whether you're queer or black or not if you know that a place is unsafe then you try to avoid that place as much as possible or you do whatever you can to prepare for whatever blow may happen right like you have an exit strategy um if you need to which is one of the major tips mm -hmm. for us as um as queer people as black people around these holidays um it may mean that to some degree we have to to separate um and plan how we're going to leave right you can't always be there if you know that the family's most um most traditional hour is the hour right before the turkey is cut because now everybody is in the kitchen and they setting up the table and this is where everybody's talking about the childhood memories right then you plan to be there for that hour and then you plan to leave within an hour or two right and you have to have a reasonable exit plan you you just can't be like okay mom i'm about to leave because i gotta go home and go to sleep no you better be telling your mama that you're about to go volunteer at the local um the local place you about to tell your mom that something happened at work and you need to catch up on so you better say something right because you can't just especially in our black families you just can't leave early with a plate of food to go and people are like wait where are you going right so make sure you have an exit strategy and make sure your timing is right. Don't subject yourself to, to a four hour, five hour, eight hour day when you know that you, you only have the endurance for two hours because you're going to break down and that's not going to be good for anybody in that environment. I'm glad you mentioned that. I had a, um, uh, when my grandmother passed on my dad's side, um, it, it was, I don't know, just my presence there was a lot. And I had two cousins who like were almost like bodyguards for me, <laughs> like in that space. Like they made sure that like I was good in, in every place in the, you know, in the home, at the funeral, like everywhere. Like they kind of covered down to make sure that I was in a safe space all the time. Mm -hmm. And even if someone, you know, the, the person in particular, like was coming to say something to me or whatever, they would kind of intercede and like block it and, and like, yeah. just, you know, got the conversation somewhere else. And I have always appreciated um, having them like on my side like that. So maybe if, if you can advocate with your family, who knows, or, you know, the people who, who, have your back like that that might be helpful as well yeah you might need strategy you guys are at the thanksgiving table and you got to sit next to your cousin who knows and who supports you right and you have to be able to um know who in your family is going to be okay even if they don't know right now because there's still this energy field that you're getting right and you need to be getting positive reinforcement if you if you must go home then you want to be able to navigate what that situation looks like and be very strategic about it you know we we also want to go we always want to go into places being very hopeful but when you are thinking about your safety and your identity there has to be strategy that's put in place and you have to think through all the elements of it what does the when the gay conversation comes up at the dinner table how are you going to respond what do you want to say what kind of body energy and communication are you going to give and when when it, people start asking you who you dating and you keep bringing your girlfriend around but they keep pretending that that's not your girlfriend right like how do you want to address those particular conversations again which is 
is why I believe that therapy is extremely helpful because we could we could do a lot of prep work around that. But if one is doing that at home, then I would I would ask them to sit back and recall their last holiday, their last Thanksgiving, and go through it chronologically. What was happening chronologically, and then go through it in terms of themes. What kind of themes were showing up in the conversations? What kind of themes were showing up in terms of behaviors? And then planning around the chronological piece and around the theme piece. And again, this is if you if you have a strong desire to go home or if you must go home, be very strategic around it. The other thing is, is that we have to take care of ourselves in terms of our senses, our five senses. We remember our five senses from like elementary school, right? Like here. Mm -hmm all that but um, in terms of your mental health there's five different ways that you can elevate your mental health in these complicated moments in terms of smell it's smelling peppermint or citrus so open opening up a um, a grapefruit or an orange and actually smelling it it increases um, the sensations in your in your mind and it helps you to stay high if you will it, it helps with the dopamine levels also so that's in terms of smelling. In terms of um, tasting, you want to eat something that is not that that has. Um, it's probably a little hard for us as Black people, but that sometimes can be a little bland. It can't have too much salt or too much sugar because those are chemicals in your body that respond to the other chemicals in your body. Girl, we're talking about Thanksgiving. I know. So that means you might need to have a piece of bread. So <laughs> you might need to smell this citrus and eat some plain rice without the butter on it or eat a piece of bread, right? You're going to have to figure it out. I'm telling y'all, I'm, I'm going to give you these tips right now because you're going to be sitting at your mama house and they're going to say something crazy. You're going to be like, what did Dr. In fact, let me go get a piece of this orange and smell this orange. Okay, I'm talking about, I'm talking about can we at least bring some Tupperware so we eat that shit when we get home? Yes, of course. Eat the okay, all right. Get the Tupperware. If I get the big Tupperware, you know, go, go get the big one. Um, in terms of um, touch, also, there's a piece in your, a piece of body uh, flesh in your hand between your thumb and your index finger. And I know that everybody's not watching. So, I want you to open up your hand and you see make an L with your with your hand. That space between your thumb and your index finger, that little corner is a, um, a highly sensational spot with a lot of nerve endings. So if you're at the dinner table and somebody is bothering you and you can't get up and leave because it's inappropriate for your family tradition, then you go and you squeeze that point and you squeeze it tightly. It's not gonna cause like damage or anything, but it's gonna ground you a lot faster. Um, and, and so that's in terms of touch, of course, being able to listen to music before you get to wherever your destination is and listening to music as soon as you leave. So have your playlist ready, have your favorite songs cued, because that is part of your healing element in terms of hearing. Right. And then if you are in a healthy situation, um, you'd want to have sex before you go to Thanksgiving and you'd want to have sex afterwards. I know you guys are like, what the heck, uh, Linnell? What no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yay. Okay. Sex calms your body down, even if you haven't like some, uh, e even if your sex is a little aggressive afterwards, you're going to be calm, right? Um, but it also increases your dopamine levels in your brain. It increases your, um, your nerve sensations because as you're having sex, somebody is touching you or you're even touching yourself if you're having sex with yourself. And so that physical touch uh, aligns with attachment. And so you'll, you'll have that. And then it increases your uh, oxytocin levels, which is your bonding uh, chemicals. So it makes you feel connected to somebody. And so you'd want to have sex before you go into 
into a complicated situation um, because you're going to be calm. You'll already feel connected to somebody. You won't feel isolated, even if that person is with you or not. And then you'd want to have sex shortly afterwards just to reconnect in terms of attachment. You know, every single one of these um, tips that you're giving, at the end of the day, it's all about walking through that door feeling empowered. Yeah. Right. And even with like, even with the sex in particular, you know, after you have sex, you know, people are like, girl, you just had sex. I mean, <laughs> not like your family. I mean, not like, <laughs> your family will be like, girl, you know, but, but even the knowing mm-hmm. that you just left the bed being your whole gay self. Mm-hmm. And even though you may be entering a home where maybe you're not fully out or the family's not fully embracing, you coming in like, bitch, I just had me one. I mm-hmm. had, you know what I'm saying? In the back of your head, it's, 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 it's kind of empowering, yes. you know? And and I would just like to add, even I know one of the things that I, one of the biggest arguments I have with my father um, was, you know, I felt like I dressed down for him. Mm-hmm. to appease him mm-hmm. you know what i mean so maybe not wearing a full-out dress but not dressing as masculine as i just do on my day-to-day mm-hmm. you know yeah. what i mean now i'm not wearing a fedora i'm not you know what i mean i'm not doing all of that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and i think for a lot of masculine presenting queer folks that's something they have to navigate going home depending on who their family is like should i dress down or whatever and th- again this is your choice and you have to decide the levels of safety, you know, yeah. involved, but that also is empowering going in your yeah. whole self, yeah. you know, just one last note. I did this just since my father's been a theme in this thing, you know, in, in his, uh, during, um, his services, um, I made, um, a very determined situation or a determined uh, decision to, and if anyone, uh, you know, me and Red were raised Muslim, so this is a Muslim uh, service, right? And so the mosque is split, men on one side and women on the other. And I came in in full drag, honey. <laughs> and I didn't come in to be facetious or to be to try and piss people off, but my spirit, my answer said, you're going to go in full on. Like you, you had to fake and shuck and jive most of your adult life with this man at the end you're going to go in like this is his daughter mm-hmm. you know what i mean if i'm in a woman's section looking like a dude well oh well <laughs> well oh well <laughs> you know what i mean so there's something empowering as much as you can take your power back when you're in a situation where you don't have much power because yeah. family you know it is what it is you know the little ways you can draw power in whether you even if you're the only one that knows about it yeah <laughs> is a beautiful thing yeah yeah and and that goes back to that level of authenticity and like you said maybe it comes in stages right like maybe maybe you are authentic for this short amount of time in this way and and it increases over time but the goal is to get you to your full whole self within a matter of time so that you can present that full whole self to whomever you feel safe around. And again, there may be some people that you can't ever feel fully safe around. I am me and uh, the people that I was most concerned about were my children, right? Because I had to come out to my children first and then, um, and then to my family. 
but my mom still doesn't um my mom still doesn't accept who I am and I'm fully married now like with a whole big old wedding dress and everything like sis this is what it is right but she's still not accepting but what what it, it allowed because of my prayers um and manifestation is that I had another wonderful woman come into my life um Dr. Willa Jones amazing woman who has become a replacement mom and that's where I was talking about in the beginning around family being safe right like I'm still, um, I still like to consider myself a younger woman. I'm not sure if my gray hairs agree, but that's what I say. Um, but I still need to be guided by older women, right? And with my mom making that particular decision, I still needed another person. And I prayed about it. And here this woman came along. So when we think about family and we think about going into the holidays, we think about where that safety is. And if we're manifesting and we're being very intentional about what we want and need in our life, it may be that your biological parents never really accept who you are, but somebody is going to come in and they're going to make you feel loved and they're going to make you feel whole and they're going to make you feel secure. But you have to be confident in requesting that of the universe and believing that you actually deserve that, that even as a queer person, you deserve all the things of beauty of the universe, right? And and that is sometimes in contrast with how we been raised as black people that if we are different in any means then we don't deserve anything of blessing and, and grace um and but but that is something that we work through because that is socialization that is black cultural socialization that was placed on us and that we have to take time to to separate from like i said before you can have one one really difficult thanksgiving and it's going to take us a few months to get through that if you had a really difficult childhood where people were constantly trying to to create your identity that was against your own identity, you're going to need some help to kind of get through that. You know, like you have to reprogram yourself. We call that cognitive restructuring. You have to reprogram yourself. Um, and then you have to create an environment that's going to be helpful for you, which means you have to be empowered. And as black women through feminist theory, we were not empowered, right? Like that's mm -hmm. how feminist theory came along because we had to get empowered as black women um and so there's a whole process that comes along with that it's not just hoping and wishing like one day i'm gonna no there's work to be done to do that and there's people out here who are willing to do the work um with you i'm just so happy that you are doing this work like i'm so happy that you are present as um a resource for the community and that your counselors are doing the work that you're doing in the way that you're doing it right yeah. All of this is so important and we just appreciate you and are so excited that you're here with us for <laughs> Sunday brunch. Yay! <laughs> so just so people know, like how can they get in touch with your services? Again, can you just repeat the areas that your services is available and how can they get in touch? Yeah, one of the things I forgot to include is that we are, um, most of us are also trained uh, board certified telemental health therapists, which means you don't always have to come to our office. We, get, we are certified to do therapy um, by video and by um, telecommunications by phone also but that's a very specific credential and I want to say that to clients whoever is out there listening and interested in telemental health make sure your counselor has that credential otherwise they are putting you at risk and and your confidentiality and your privacy and they are putting themselves at risk ethically so don't engage with people who don't have the right credentials even though they say that they have the right experience it's not safe 
for you, especially under HIPAA compliance, you won't be protected if in the event that something happens. Um, but we are located, we have three offices in Washington, D.C., um, and we have four offices in Maryland. Our D.C. offices are in Northwest D.C. All of our offices are metro accessible. So we have an office uh, located in Metro Center and one located near K Street. We have our new Carrollton offices. So we're a five minute walk from the new Carrollton Metro Station. And then we have our Pittsburgh office, which is located in Bakery Square. So also off of the, um, the bus line as well. It was really important to me to have offices that were physically accessible to, to our folks as well. And then we offer telemental health. And so in order to get in touch with us, you could send us an email, right? At, you could Google us. Um, but you can also send us an email at info at onyxtherapygroup.com or go to the website, onyxtherapygroup.com. And it, and the process is that one of my intake coordinators would set up um, a consult and then pair, pair the, the client with the counselor that has the most uh, expertise in a particular area um, and who has space on their caseload. We're hiring right now, so we're going to have quite a few more uh, available spots uh, by January, which is when we actually see an influx in therapy because people are trying to get through the holiday seasons. And then there's the other big element that we didn't get to talk about much, which is the finance piece, which is really interesting in the Black community. We have uh, we connect our emotions with our finances a lot. And so the holiday season um, uh, triggers a lot of that. And so we see a lot of clients coming in in January and we'll, I've been planning accordingly to have more space in January for anybody that needs to come in and get some services. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Thank you. I should, I, before my social media person kills me, we're also on Instagram. Follow us. <laughs> and it's an Onyx Therapy Group. Onyx Therapy Group, because otherwise she's going to kill me. She's going to be like, Doc, you didn't even say anything about social media. Onyx underscore therapy underscore group or just Onyx Therapy Group. We all there, child. Come and follow us. We'll put that in the show notes, too, so folks have all the places they can um, reach you. <laughs> And I mean, we just just really want to thank you. This has been this has been informational for me and educational for me. And I, I know so many people. Can I make one more tip real quick before yes. we close out? Another tip, because I know I talked about the senses. Another tip is make sure you eat breakfast on Thanksgiving Day. Folks love to wait and hold their calories until lunchtime or dinner time. But if you go into a place hungry, your body is not operating at its full um, optimal position. Your brain cells are not working fully. So it's going to be hard to move out of your limbic system, which is where your emotions are, to your frontal lobe. Um, and you're just going to be tired. And so you're not going to be equipped. So although we love to save our calories and we say, you know, I'm going to eat when I get over to auntie's house for Thanksgiving, please eat a breakfast the morning of Thanksgiving. That is going to help prepare you. So have your breakfast, have your sex, squeeze your hand, drink your water, sniff some citrus, hit up, hit us up at Onyx Therapy Group. <laughs> um, um, but make sure you have your breakfast on Thanksgiving Day. Sorry. Okay. Okay. sorry. No, 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 don't be sorry. Don't be sorry because the um, everything that you laid out this past hour, basically people are going to be walking in the door thankful. <laughs> you know what I mean? And prepared. And that's what we really wanted to have this episode um, uh, for. So, hey, children. <laughs> um, 
as you know, we come to you every week, um, as you should know, um, because next week is Thanksgiving and you're going to let your aunties actually um, have their uh, macaroni and cheese because, you know, we have our families and, you know, they, they're kind of cool. So it's... <laughs> We don't gotta. We don't gotta break out no oranges. You know what I'm saying? We don't gotta eat no bread. We going all in. <laughs> but when, but we're not gonna come to you uh, 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 next week. We're gonna take our week off. Um, but I hope this uh, leaves y'all with something to grow on. Um, and and of course, you know, while we're waiting, you know, as life goes on, if you have, you know things that you experience during Thanksgiving or the holidays, or you still have questions, you know, we're always here. That's why we started this podcast. You can holler at us at yourgayaunties at gmail.com. And of course, to keep us going, so we can keep bringing wonderful people like Dr. Plummer um, to you. And of course, keep on talking shit like we usually do <laughs> and answering your letters. Um, your support is always, always welcomed. And you can support us at patreon.com slash your gay aunties when we come back from vacation or you know holiday vacation we'll explain all the different tiers that we're going to bring to you to you know for all of y'all so everybody can say oh i want that tier i want that tier you know so all right so that'll happen when we come back um oh yes and of course we're on instagram as well at uh your gay aunties and we look forward to continue to also highlight um different queer um artists so if you are a queer artist whether it be music poetry theater film you name it holla at us dm us um email us let us know what you're doing and we'll review you now we will review you you're saying, you know, we ain't just going to prop you because you're queer now. You got to be dope, too. So if you're not dope, we may say so. But our reviews are constructive because right. at the end of the day, we love you. Um, and we want the best for you. Um, so with that being said, we're going to see you guys in a couple of weeks. And I am Hanifa Walida. And I am Red Summer. And I'm Dr. Plummer. <laughs> Later, babies. Happy Thanksgiving. No, happy, not happy. Happy Friendsgiving. Happy indigenous holidays. Happy being with family. Whatever you can find. All right. Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs>